MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. Today, Stacey Abrams has announced she's running for governor of Georgia in 2022. Raffensperger testified before the January 6th committee for over four hours. The U.S. has its first case of the Omicron variant. A federal judge has ordered the Donald Trump Jr. portions of the Mueller report be unredacted. Chris Cuomo has been suspended from CNN indefinitely. Trump tested positive for COVID just days before the first debate with Biden. Supreme Court heard arguments today on the Mississippi abortion ban and the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell continues. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, that's a lot of news. <laughs> that is a lot of news. Some good, some bad, some indifferent, but a lot of news. Yeah, it's a big news day, a big news week. Later on the show, I'm going to be talking to Nina Burley about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and the new Twitter rules about private photos and videos. And Stacey Abrams. Amazing. I'm so excited. I'm so, imagine applying, let's say applying, all right? Applying for a job, but the people that hire you work for the company already. But it's all, it's all tainted. And the the boss of the company isn't in charge and overseeing who, it's the job, but he's running for the same job. Like you're going for his job. And so you decide to go back and literally reform the 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 landscape and hire all of these new people called voters. And then you're going to go apply for the same job. And you have, it's just brilliant that she's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. This was stolen from me once. I'm going to register like 500,000 new voters or whatever it is. And I'm coming back. I'm coming back for your job. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've been hoping she would announce. So now we have Beto in Texas and we have Stacy in Georgia. And I think both of them have excellent chances to win the governorships in those states. And that would be huge for voting rights, particularly, you know, I mean, because, you know, with Kemp and Raffensperger, it's like, ugh, stop. Uh, I know, please. Yeah, just please just stop. I mean, Kemp's got to be worried. Anyway, so much to cover. We don't need to belabor the point. No, that's okay. We'll just, I'm just very happy. That that was a a shining bit of awesomeness in in what was otherwise not a good news day. Absolutely. Another little bit of good news. We have new FBI 302s in the Mueller probe just released as part of the document dump for the FOIA request from Jason Leopold at BuzzFeed. And a federal judge has ordered the Don Jr. parts of the Mueller report to be unredacted. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and I'm going to be going over that in depth, those stories on this Sunday's Mueller She Wrote podcast, because that's pretty Mueller related, if I do say so myself. So tune in for that. Subscribe, listen, rate us if you haven't. I would love to have you join us on Sundays. Nice, lazy Sundays for, uh, you know, information kind of surrounding the Mueller report and investigation which is still very relevant today, especially with those outstanding obstruction of justice charges just sort of sitting there gathering dust. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Gathering dust, indeed. (sighs) All right. We have a lot of stuff, as you heard at the top, to get to. So let's do let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Up first, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who I like to call Ben Roethlisberger, spoke with the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol Hill riot for roughly four hours on Tuesday, according to his office and an aide working for the House panel. 
Quote, I spoke to the January 6th committee to ensure they included the full record of how stolen election claims damage our democracy, whether in 2016, 2018, or 2020. That's what Raffensperger, Republican and top Georgia election official, said in a statement to CNN. To make it sure they included the full record of how stolen election claims damage our democracy. Quote, while liberals in Washington, D.C. remain focused on Trump, conservatives should focus on the kitchen table issues that really matter to the American people. OK, yeah. <laughs> he pivoted a little. Raffensperger told CNN in August that he would talk to the committee if asked to do so. And during a now infamous phone call in January, then President Donald Trump pressed Raffensperger to find 11,780 votes needed to overturn results showing Joe Biden had won the state. And Raffensperger refused. The call and the White House's effort to pressure Raffensperger and Georgia officials to overturn the election have emerged as a significant area of interest to the House Select Committee. CNN previously reported that criminal investigators, Fonnie Willis, she's a Fulton County DA in Georgia, has been quietly conducting interviews, collecting documents and working to build a line of communication with congressional investigators as they aim to build a case against Trump for his alleged attempts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. And I'm imagining he's also caught up in the Department of Justice Inspector General investigation into former DOJ officials, right? Because it was Clark who wrote that letter to Georgia to say, your your election was corrupt, send us new electors. So I'm sure that that's involved in that investigation as well. And we know that Merrick Garland testified to Congress that he would accept whatever recommendations Horowitz, who is the Inspector General for Department of Justice, handed him. Inspector General Horowitz has been looking into this since January 25th. And so the report could be done and has already been handed over or it might not be done yet. But I wouldn't expect that report to be released to the public until it's it's quietly handed over to the attorney general who will then decide what to do with it. Another key area of focus in that probe, Fonnie Willis's probe, has been the Georgia Secretary of State's office. After Trump called officials there following the 2020 election and pressed them to help investigate his allegations of fraud. Now, Benny Thompson, who's the chair of the committee, told reporters after the panel's call with Raffensperger that the Georgia Secretary of State had talked about how his family has suffered because of his truthfulness. And that's true. We, you know, anybody who crosses Trump gets all kinds of gross death threats. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it day in and day out with anybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Taking you to New York. Taking you to New York? Yeah, that's where he was. Mm-hmm. The star CNN anchor, Chris Cuomo, he has been suspended indefinitely by the network on Tuesday after new details emerged about his efforts to assist his brother. Andrew Cuomo. Now, he's, as we know, the former governor of New York, as he faced a cascade of sexual harassment accusations that led to the governor's resignation. So Chris Cuomo, he had previously apologized, okay, for advising his brother, Andrew Cuomo's senior political aide specifically, which is a breach of traditional barriers between journalists and lawmakers. But thousands of pages of evidence released on Monday by the New York Attorney General Letitia James who's damn good at her job, mm. revealed that the anchor's role had been more intimate and involved than previously known. And this is a quote, the documents, which were not privy to before their public release, raised serious questions, CNN said in a statement on Tuesday, when Chris admitted to us that he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules and we acknowledged that publicly. But we also appreciated the unique position he was in and understood his need to put family first and jobs second. However, these documents point to a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than we previously knew, which really seems to happen to a few people involved in this investigation, by the way. Mm -hmm. And this is another just small quote. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely pending further evaluation, and that's from the network. Now, Mr. Cuomo's entanglement with the last 18 months of his brother's governorship has proved a slow-moving headache for CNN. 
which has stood by its top-rated anchor even as a drip of uncomfortable revelations raised questions about the network's adherence to journalistic standards. So Jeff Zucker, Jeff Zucker, excuse me, go ahead and get him an edit. It's just, it's just no, a quote. No, it's perfect, actually. Oh my God, okay. <laughs> I think we should call him that. All right, Jeff Zucker it is. However you want to hear that on your end. CNN's president supported Mr. Cuomo for months, declining to discipline him, even after reports show that the anchor had participated in strategy sessions with his brother's political team, which is a breach of basic repertorial conduct, according to CNN's contracts. Now, earlier this year, the network floated the idea to Mr. Cuomo that he could take a temporary leave if he wanted to focus more formally on aiding his brother's defense. So you could leave your work and go help your bro if you'd like. But this week presented a harsher set of facts for Mr. Sucker. I'm just going to keep saying it like that so you can hear it any way you want. <laughs> is the dress black and gold or is it? Okay. But this week, <laughs> it presented a harsher set of facts for Mr. Sucker as he weighed the fate of his 9 p.m. host. Now, in scores of emails, AG, the text messages between Mr. Cuomo and his brothers in her circle, he repeatedly offered advice. Quote, please let me help with your prep. He texted a senior aide in March and made efforts to track down the status of pending articles at other news outlets, including Political mm. and The New Yorker, that concerned allegations of sexual harassment by Andrew Cuomo. So at this point, the governor's former top aide, Melissa De Rosa, asked the anchor if he could check his, quote, sources about a rumor that Politico was working on an article that included additional accusations on it. Chris Cuomo responded, like, I'm on it. Let's do this. So... James reports also included a text from Mr. Cuomo to DeRosa sent a few days after a woman, Anna Rook. Is that how you think her last name is, Rook? I think so. Mm -hmm. Anna Rook. Now, this was days after she told the New York Times that Andrew Cuomo had made an unwanted advance toward her at a wedding in New York City. I have a lead on the wedding girl. That's what the anchor wrote in a text message. Now, in an on-air apology to viewers on May 20th, after the Washington Post first reported his involvement with his brother's political effort, Mr. Cuomo conceded he had made, quote, a mistake in advising the governor, but that's also when he said and offered the defense of family first, job second. Way deeper than we knew. Yeah. Yeah, I hope Zerlina Maxwell gets that spot or somebody badass like that. All right. Supreme Court seems poised to uphold a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy based on sometimes tense and heated questioning at the momentous arguments in the most important abortion case in decades since 92 Casey. Such a ruling would be flatly at odds with what the court has said was the central holding of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that established a constitutional right to an abortion and prohibited states from banning the procedure before fetal viability around 23 weeks. But the court's six-member conservative extreme court majority seemed divided about whether to stop at 15 weeks for now, at least, or whether to overrule Roe entirely. So they weren't even concerned with just throwing this case out. It's it's either do we stop it at 15 or right. throw it out altogether, allowing states to ban abortions at any time or entirely. Chief Justice John Roberts was the leading voice on the right for a narrow decision. The thing that is at issue before us today is 15 weeks, he said. He repeatedly questioned whether the viability line was crucial saying that Justice Harry Blackman, the author of the majority opinion in Roe, had called the line arbitrary in his private papers. Chief Justice Roberts added that much of the rest of the world has similar limits. Julie Reichelman, a lawyer for the abortion clinic challenging the Mississippi law, disputed that, 
saying that limits in many other countries are subject to significant exceptions. Other conservative justices indicated they were not interested in the chief justice's intermediate approach, right? Like just the 15 weeks thing. Sure. Samuel Alito, who, by the way, testified during his confirmation that Roe v. Wade was precedent. Of course. And it was law. They all did. He said the only real options we have are to reaffirm Roe or overrule it. Assuming the three most conservative members of the court, Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch, are prepared to overrule Roe entirely, Chief Justice Roberts would need to attract at least two votes for a narrower opinion. One upholding the Mississippi law, but not overruling Roe in so many words, to be controlling. But the most likely candidates, Kavanaugh, Coney Barrett, said little to suggest they were inclined toward that narrower approach. It just looks like they could just gut it entirely. You know, and as I think uh, Andrew Torres and I talked about on Clean Up on All 45, those were the two outcomes. They could ban it at 15 weeks and allow states to do that or just totally get rid of that rule altogether and completely, completely overturn Roe. And we said that the best case scenario is that states could ban abortions kind of whenever they wanted. Yeah, that was the best case scenario. It doesn't even look like we're going to get that. The court's three liberal members, Breyer, Kagan and Sotomayor, were adamant that Roe should stand. And some of their quotes were intense. Like they, they, I know that Kagan and Sotomayor specifically were throwing it out there that, you know, this is going to be a stench on the court and, and trying to sort of appeal to John Roberts wanting to not be seen as a political shitty court. Yeah. But he didn't seem to be biting that argument. No, so. Sotomayor was brilliant this morning. I know a lot of people she, that she listen was. to this, listen to the arguments and she was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. We're lucky to still have her for sure. For years to come. Oy. All right. This son of a bitch. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only transition I've given you people. Donald Trump tested positive for COVID-19 three days before his first debate against Joe Biden. All right. That's what the chief of staff has revealed in a new book. Okay. The mm-hmm. former president's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. He also wrote that though he knew each candidate was required to test negative for the virus within 72 hours of the start time, Nothing was going to stop Trump from going there. Now, Trump, Meadows says in the book, returned a negative test result from a different test shortly after the positive. Yeah, no shit. How much do you think he paid for that, AJ? Yeah. And I mean, he checked himself into the hospital a couple of days later. Uh, Yes. Chances are that negative test never actually existed, at least as a valid (laughs) one. Right. Nonetheless, the stunning revelation of an unreported positive test follows a year of speculation about whether Trump, Donald, then... 74 years old, had the potentially deadly virus when he faced Biden, who was 77 at the time, in Cleveland on 29th of September, and what a danger that might have presented. So Donald announced he had COVID on October 2nd. The White House said he announced that result within an hour of receiving it. He went to the hospital later that day. All that's bullshit. We all knew that was bullshit. 100%. Now, Meadows' memoir, The The Chief's Chief, will be published next week. I know, Jesus Christ. The Chief's Chief will be published next week Can we by... Call it, just call it the turds turd. Oh my God, something. Ugh. Anyway, that's going to be published next week by All Seasons Press, a conservative outlet. Ooh. I think the All Seasons Press is right between uh, Four Seasons Landscaping and a dildo store. I think it's on the other side of the dildo store. maybe rudy giuliani can get a book published by all seasons press yeah is this simon and schuster landscaping no this is payless what the hell is schuster (laughs) 
Okay, The Guardian obtained a copy on Tuesday, the day Meadows reversed course and said that he would cooperate with the House committee investigating the deadly Capitol attack on January 6th. So in a statement on Wednesday, Donald called Meadows' claims fake news. And as we know, that's always code for it's fucking true. Yeah, it's all real. Anything that's fake news is definitely true. So Meadows says Donald's positive result on September 26th is what was a shock to the White House which had just staged, y'all remember this, a triumphant Rose Garden ceremony for the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. Now, on occasion, now widely considered to have been a COVID super spreader event. The super fucking spreader was Donald. Hmm. So there, no need to buy his book. By the way, did you did you hear that Donald wants to self-publish? Did you hear on an upcoming memoir? Because he doesn't want anyone to find out. He'll get a lower advance than Obama did. Maybe he can go to the Simon & Schuster landscaping. Oh my God. <laughs> All Seasons Press. All Seasons Press. The first case of the Omicron variant in the U.S. has been detected Uh, in California. They didn't tell us what city. So get vaxxed and boosted ASAP. And I mean, I guess the good news is, is that this person was traveling from South Africa. They were vaccinated. So they're only having mild symptoms and um, recovering. Yes. Well, so if I may, A.G., just a little insert here. When we call this the South African, they keep calling this the South African variant. Let's be very, very clear. This variant showed up in many other countries, okay? South Africa has one of the most advanced medical systems in the world with infectious diseases. It's not that it showed up first. They were the first to identify it. We really need to be careful with our language so that we are not making it sound like South Africa is to blame for this because that brings in racism, it brings in bigotry, and we just have to be careful. So. I know we didn't do this. They should this. be thanked. Yes, they should praised. be thanked and praised. They found this because they are so advanced medically. That's all I want to say. They're so good on their testing. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, tweet at POTUS. Tweet at him. It's time to require vaccines on airplanes. I did it today. Or, you know, Instagram and TikTok and whatever you do, whatever your kids do on the interwebs these days. <laughs> Up next, a discussion about the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Laugh in the Ghislaine uh, with the author of The Trump Women part of the deal, and executive director of the Epstein shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell. It's uh, Nina Burley, and we're going to be with her right after this quick break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Magic Spoon, my favorite cereal ever. I've been trying to eat better, eat healthier, but it's hard during the holidays. If you're like me and you're looking for a healthy, delicious cereal and a snack, Magic Spoon is it. Magic Spoon cereal has amazing flavors you love from childhood, but without all the chemicals. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of proteins, and only four net grams of carbs and 140 calories in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own custom bundle with flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, and more. And also Magic Spoon just brought back two super popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle. Make sure to get those again or try them for the first time. They're delicious. I love that Magic Spoon is healthy yet amazingly so good. It's like the best thing I've ever eaten. It's perfect for a guiltless midnight, midnight snack, too. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans, all one word, at checkout and save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident, it has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money. No questions asked. So there's no risk here. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of just reminiscent nostalgic, delicious, healthy cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the show. Today's show is also brought to you by Beanbox. The Beans brought to you by Beanbox. Beanbox connects coffee lovers to some of the world's best specialty coffees with expertly curated tasting flights, perfect for gifting. 
I love my new bean routine. It's like giving a gift to myself. It's fun to open a new box and find a flight of unique, amazing coffees I would never get to taste otherwise without having this subscription. I love trying a variety of different roasts, and it's all such high quality across the board. Freshness is guaranteed. Every bean box order is roasted fresh and delivered at peak flavor. And best of all, you support small roasters with Beanbox. They source all their coffee from some of the best artisan roasters in the United States. So for the coffee lover on your list, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with Beanbox. They'll get endless variety and get to explore award-winning coffees from around the world, handpicked by Beanbox's resident coffee expert. You can try the Deluxe Coffee and Biscotti Tasting Box, which has eight gourmet coffees paired with dunkable handmade biscotti. So good. Or the World Coffee Tour Box, a globetrotting trip through 16 of the world's best micro-lot coffees. Give the coffee fanatic in your life an unforgettable coffee tasting experience with Beanbox. Order today at beanbox.com slash dailybeans20 and get 20% off your purchase of $40 or more with the promo code dailybeans20. That's 20% off purchases of $40 or more with promo code dailybeans20 at beanbox.com slash dailybeans20. Everybody, welcome back. I am honored today to be joined by somebody I've been working with behind the scenes, and I'm finally getting to put a face to the name. She's a journalist, a best-selling author of The Trump Women, Part of the Deal, and she's the executive producer of Epstein's Shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell. Please welcome Nina Burley. Nina, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, because you are one of my favorite experts to follow, not my favorite subject. But the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, Mm -hmm. which and the entire history of of Ghislaine, not just the trial, but the trial started this week. And we heard some pretty grueling, difficult testimony from one of the survivors Mm -hmm. of what uh, Epstein and Ghislaine did. Can you talk a little bit, give us a little brief backstory about Ghislaine, how we got to where we are now? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to assume that your listeners know who she is. And um, I won't go too deeply into that, except to say that she is she was is the youngest daughter of Robert Maxwell, a um, notorious, I guess you could call him an international criminal. He went down with some four hundred million dollars in pension fund money lost uh, to the workers at the uh, media company that he, he owned in London. But he was a man who belonged to this class of people that I think Jeffrey Epstein also belonged to. And and there's a group of people that we've come to know better since the Trump election in 2016, men mostly, who live in this kind of shadowy world of borderless money. They may use patriotism to get uh, or, or wave flags to get their way, but they're basically not tied to any real nation or even ideology. They're about money. They're about this secret place where, let's say, nation states need certain things done, like moving weapons around or moving technology around between countries or communicating between secret agent agencies, national security issues, where they need people who know how to hide and move money around to help them. And um, of course, Maxwell was involved in that. He was he moved Soviet Jews into Israel and in exchange for that, did some things for the the KGB and uh, reportedly for the Mossad. So he worked in this very shadowy world that you then see his daughter, Ghislaine Maxwell, youngest daughter, favorite daughter, kind of inhabiting with Jeffrey Epstein, who is a lot like her father in terms of the sort of mysterious business that he did and his his um, network of uh, extremely powerful people. 
That's the short answer to your question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely with the Maxwell, the Maxwell family. And you know, I keep thinking, you know, as you were talking, I was reminded of all of the wealthy, powerful men who gave Epstein millions and millions of dollars. I'm thinking Leon Black is coming into my mind. And it seems to me they were paying for something other than financial management in in these cases. I mean, 50 million, 100 million dollars. 150 million, I think, from Black. Yeah. Well, certainly, I mean, one of the things we found out when we were researching our documentary is that many people in, in the financial world had not heard of Epstein or did not know of him having done anything that would have warranted people to believe that he knew how to invest money. So it's a great mystery why Leon Black would fork over that money. And, you know, just under the radar, couple weeks ago, Barclays CEO took the fall for his relationship with Epstein. And, and it hasn't been reported on very much, but um, his name's Jess Staley and he's he's out. And we don't know exactly why, but he was involved somehow with Epstein. So yeah, what were what were the what was it that Epstein had? What were his special skills? Well, one of the th- other things I found out more recently, I did a story for Airmail on the diplomat behind the Oslo Accords, remember the um, the Israeli-Palestinian peace negotiations that set up the area A, Bs, and Cs in, Pal- in um, the occupied territories. And now, of course, it hasn't really ended up peacefully, but kind of a famous event in that relationship. And the diplomat who was in charge of this or very high up in the process in Norway, it turns out that he's taken loans from Epstein and got himself a, a villa on a on a Greek island, thanks to Epstein. And in the process of researching that, we came across this these notes from these diplomats in their office where they were trying to pay Larry Summers, Larry Summers, former president of Harvard, Harvard, Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary, very influential economist in the United States, a Democrat, or at least aligned with Democrats. They went through Epstein to get his bank wiring information. I mean, that's how far the tentacles of Epstein reached. And and one of the things we other things that we learned about Ghislaine Maxwell was that in the in New York City, she was kind of his, you know, Epstein was kind of a cold fish, to put it mildly, a brick, a brick of ice, really. Ghislaine Maxwell was the social connector for him. So she, you see her name sort of at the top of like there's something called the Core Club here in, in Midtown Manhattan that was started in the, I guess, the OOs uh, for, you know, you had to have a billion dollars or something to get in. And and all of these titans of, of you know, New York real estate and finance were involved. And, and you see her being the person who's bringing in like Steve Schwartzman, you know, and I mean, her connections were vast the 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 famous black book of epstein's you know with all the names in it 80 percent of those names were really her contacts so you know she was the social lubricant for this brick this block of ice who really didn't have a whole lot of charm and um but he had something he had something and and men really liked what he had yeah and that's putting it mildly willing to pay you know in the uh, nine figures for it. Now, when you talk about the the former 
uh, was it Secretary of the Treasury? Mm-hmm. Summers. Democrat, right? Aligned with Democrats. You know, it, it, it seems to be on one side for, for uh, you know, on the Democratic side that at least I am and most of the people that I know are willing to see prosecutions of those in our, anyone who was involved in this, regardless of their party. Whereas on the other side, that doesn't seem to be the case. But I find it very interesting about the, the far reach that Epstein had and how that came into play in, quote unquote, Jane's testimony in, in the trial. After the opening statements were made, they started to bring up witnesses and they brought Jane, who was 14, 15 and 16 at the time she was raped and assaulted by Ghislaine and Epstein. And she had said something that stood out to me. The reason she didn't tell her family, her mother, was because she felt ashamed and that she had done something wrong and that her mother seemed so happy that she was hobnobbing with the likes of Ghislaine and Epstein, these very famous, wealthy, sort of, quote unquote, fabulous people. I mean, yes, ice cold brick, but still. Well, yeah, I mean, if if you're asking about, you know, the, in, why the why the girls wouldn't have, have fought back or resisted um, what was going on here, I mean, you know, there's a whole library of research on why victims or, you know, young women, especially like that in those situations, do not fight back. And in fact, may, and may keep contact with their persecutors for many years afterwards. Or end up working for them in yes. the case of Ghislaine. And so that sort of brought up that whole, you know, if you watch yeah. that. And, and, and you see the defense lawyers going out. I mean, defense lawyer, what's her name? Bar- Bobby Sternheim, you know, very cleverly and, and ably uh, representing her client, Ghislaine Maxwell, pointing out that these these women, then girls, you know, didn't put up a fight. And, you know, what's wrong with them if they didn't put up a fight? You know, what, what they obviously really maybe they liked Ghislaine Maxwell They're Now they've decided that they don't like her because they, they see a way to make money. And, um, you know, you saw you saw Sternheim bringing up that um, Epstein Victims Defense Fund and how much money these these accusers have gotten from it. So, you know, you see that going on. But honestly, I think for me, the research that we were doing for this documentary was second. The, the victims had their say very ably in the Netflix series, Filthy Rich. And there has been a lot of coverage about what happened to them. It's pretty clear that this was an industrial scale pedo grooming operation. What interested me in it, and I think in the, the director, is that we felt that we know what happened. We are knowing, we now are understanding what was going on, at least to some degree. What we don't understand is why this was going on. And for me, the why is not answered with the with the answer that it was it was it was satisfying Jeffrey Epstein's carnal desires. I don't believe that that was what was going on. I don't think that he was bringing in three. He needed physically to have three teenagers, you know, rubbing up against him three times a day. What it looks like is that this is a man who was he, he was like the male body that they were that they, they, they were they were training these girls on. They were loosening them up. They were grooming them to be then 
sent out to be given to a Prince Andrew, to be given out to a wide array of men who they now claim in documents that they've had sex with, and many of the men have denied it. And then the documents are also filled with black redactions of John Doe's who are fighting to keep their name out of the record and who are powerful enough to have managed to keep their name out of this record for a very, very long time. And let's remember that Epstein committed suicide less than 48 hours after a very big document dump in the Virginia Roberts Jaffre defamation suit against Ghislaine Maxwell that opened the gates to understanding Ghislaine Maxwell's participation in this. And in those documents, which I read, studied, and wrote about for Rolling Stone, there are young women, now women, young women claiming that they had sex with men who were in the United States government, who were in charge of nuclear weapons. Bill Richardson, energy secretary, who was in charge of the Middle East peace process at one point, George Mitchell, those men denied and you don't see their names coming up again. But the but the but what you take away from reading that is, in addition to the mystery of why Jeffrey Epstein, what you know, what kind of person needed three physical interactions with naked teenagers a day, is that they were these girls were aimed at men who had influence. And we interviewed ex-CIA, ex-Mossad agents who said these this thing looks like a compromise operation. It looks at the very least like something that intelligence agencies would like to have access to. And we have people on the record saying that. You can watch it on our show. I can't tell you that Ghislaine Maxwell or Epstein worked for any intelligence agencies. We only know that F- that Epstein actually was a high-level informant for the FBI from one document in the Palm Beach case against Epstein in which FBI says he gave us what we needed. We have one piece of information to that effect. The rest of it is speculation. So I'm sharing this speculation. It's informed speculation. We have talked to to CIA and Mossad agents, but um, the use of sex, the use of the use of girls to young women, female bodies to implicate men, underage girls. I mean, (laughs) it's pretty effective. Obviously, it's pretty effective or or you wouldn't still have people paying a lot of money to people like Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, totally, totally true. And that's what we had speculated, too especially in light of, uh, you know, the Denchenko, Christopher Steele dossier and some mm-hmm. of the, the sexual exploitations that um, the Russians had on on Trump. All right. I do have to take a quick break, but I have a couple more uh, Ghislaine questions. And then I want to talk to you about the new Twitter king. Do you mind sticking around? Not at all. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this portion of The Beans is brought to you by Wealthfront, helping you invest smarter and easier. If you want to invest for the long term, it helps to invest on your terms. Maybe you're a pro-solar cannabis supporter. Maybe you're into cryptocurrency. But whoever you are, you should invest in what you believe in, and that's what makes Wealthfront so great. You can start with their classic portfolio or make it your own with socially responsible funds, crypto trusts, and hundreds of other options. Either way, they'll set you up in minutes with a portfolio you can count on for the long term. It's, uh, it's diversified across asset classes, so it's nice and safe. And Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing it all yourself. You're protected from unnecessary risk, like I said. It's diversified, and you don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill. 
And that's why they help you do that, too. And if you don't know how to rebalance your portfolio, they do it automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. Get your first $5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. It takes just minutes to start building your wealth. Visit Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. That's Wealthfront, F-R-O-N-T dot com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp, bringing you professional online counseling. We all could use some support in life. You know, my experience with PTSD and anxiety has taught me that it's better to get help than to try to do it by myself. But asking for help can be hard. And that's why I love BetterHelp. They make it easy and convenient. You can message your counselor anytime from anywhere in the world, get timely responses, and you can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. So, so convenient. And it's affordable, more affordable than offline counseling and financial aid's available. And you can change your counselors if you need to. And it's easy and free to do that. Visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one by user KA, who says, Dr. English is amazingly down to earth. He understood my goals and helped guide me in the direction I wanted to go with my healing. His feedback was always fair. He never criticized me when I was learning to navigate my feelings. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the journalist and best-selling author of The Trump Women, Part of the Deal, and the executive producer of Epstein Shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell, Nina Burley. And uh, Nina, before the break, I, I said I, I had a couple more questions about Ghislaine. And one of them is, how long do you know how long she has been with Epstein? Well, yeah, we know that she, from our research, we know that she met him in the 80s in London. Were they together then? I don't know. She first sort of shows up with him as her boyfriend in the early 90s. Okay, so so her dad drowns or dies off the off the coast of the Canary Islands in, I believe, 91. And she moves to New York. She's pretty much down at the heels for a little while. She's living in a small apartment, but she still, you know, has the Tony British accent and is welcomed into New York society. She was charming and fun to be around. And people we talked to said she started to show up with Epstein, I guess, around 92, 93. And then that that went on for, right, their relationship went on through the 90s by the, I guess, sort of the early 00s, maybe 04. So she had moved on and had this new boyfriend um, out in Silicon Valley, Ted Waite. And then, of course, she moved on again to um, marry, we believe, Scott Borgerson in Boston. Okay, so she was of age. She was not underage when she... Not at all. Okay. Yeah, because what I was kind of wondering is if she was groomed up through, but that doesn't. Well, seem to be well, case. no, he wasn't groomed up by him. But there I mean, there's a lot of speculation about how abusive Robert Maxwell was. I mean, there's there's not speculation. There are actual eyewitness reports of his abuse of his children. Well, we'll be watching this trial uh, very closely, as I know you will, too. And uh, everybody, if you want to follow Nina Burley on Twitter, I would highly recommend that for the best updates and the most concise information about the trial. And speaking of Twitter, Nina, we have a new CEO and first day out of the gate, they've put together this new policy that frankly frightens me and is already going into effect that's going to make it harder for cyber sleuths, OSINT, right, to to point out fascists or, or put up video about the insurrection or anything, anything like that. Can you talk about what that rule is and how the the baddies are already using it to their advantage. Yeah, well, you know, Paul Singer, hedge funder, New York hedge funder, is a Republican. He's now, you know, in charge or, or a majority controller of 
Twitter. And um, he's a he's approached. He's a Trumper. I mean, he wasn't a Trumper early on. Ironically, the um, the Steele dossier came from his he, he paid originally for for some of that through the Washington Beacon, which he owns. But he is a, you know, a capitalist, vulture capitalist and his. Um, so wait, Peter Singer helped pay for the dossier through through that paper through the so, Washington beacon. So whenever, when everyone talks about how the dossier was first funded by Republicans and then they abandoned it, they are Trump talking became, about him. Yes. They're talking, they're about, talking about Mr. Singer. You know, he's a major, major funder of the, of the Republicans. And so he was not on board with Donald early on. And then by 2020, he was fully on board and calling the Democrats socialists, you know, and, and putting up money for his, his buddy to keep him in power and, uh, you know, he's you don't see him standing up for democracy. You don't see him standing up and saying this is a big lie. You know, instead, he buys he buys his way into Twitter. And Twitter, of course, is um, one of the platforms that we use to to share, you know, information about the fascist uprising and, and you know, crowdsource uh, images. And it's one of the ways that these images are getting out there. It's also one of the ways that. Images like, you know, uh, Derek Chauvin putting his knee on, uh, on on George Floyd's neck. I mean, those types of images, I guess that wouldn't fill, fill in, be, be covered by this because that is a public, I guess a cop is a public person. But uh, video of private individuals running around with weapons might not be covered or might be covered by this new rule that we can't put those types of things online. Now, I did, you know, I did tweet about this last night and I one person responded, well, you know, the Internet is bigger than Twitter. And and the truth is, actually, it's, you know, TikTok is a lot bigger and or, you know, TikTok is, is so in theory, I guess these types of things can still be shared on twi- on uh, TikTok and on Instagram and places like that. But it is, let's just say uh, they're chipping away at the ability of people to to operate in anti-fascist investigations. Hmm. And and the singer guy, he's not the new CEO, but he's part of the new what? The leadership? Well, team? he's they 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 have more power over the board. You're right. He's not part of he's not the CEO. Absolutely not. The CEO is I guess there's a temporary guy sitting in who was under under um what's his name? Dorsey. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's sitting in and he's in that position now. But no, it, it Singer took more control over the board. He, he got they got more board seats with their four percent buy in. And they're, they're they're certainly not. He's certainly not the CEO and he, he won't be the CEO of the of the company. He just has influence that he didn't have before. Yeah. And, and oftentimes the board has more power than the CEO. So. Right. You know, right. Absolutely. In fact, yeah. that's probably why that's what, you know, tech insiders are reporting. That is why Dorsey is out. But one of the speculations is that the, the board just didn't want him anymore. Uh, too too liberal? <laughs> Jack Dorsey? Okay. Right. <laughs> wow. Well, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts social media. Because you're right, TikTok is bigger, but Twitter is is one of the bigs. And of course, it's not the only internet. Right. But man... I get most of my TikTok through Twitter. So <laughs> Right, right. Well, we're going to, you know, I mean, you know, the right migrated to these other platforms. I guess all of the 
anti-fascists will have to migrate to other platforms if they start really cracking down on this. But uh, I think it remains to be seen how effectively they implement this against the anti-fascists and whether it's whether I mean, you know, obviously there are some personal video images that we would like not to be traded around, like revenge porn and things like that. I mean, you know, that's good, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, but taking away this tool, this incredible tool, um, which has enabled all of us to see in real time what's going on with both fascists and cops and, 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 and racist behavior or, you know, sexist behavior, not quite so much, but I think it's been, it's been good for society, even though it has, it has riven us with, with um, disputes. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for spending a little time with me today. I really appreciate it. Can you tell everyone where to find you, follow you, where to get your book? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's at Nina Burley and that's N-I-N-A-B-U-R-L-E-I-G-H and my website, ninaburley.com and my books are available on Amazon. I welcome you to look at the Trump Women book. I've also got a book of essays about the pandemic called Virus, which um, I think is... Um, an antidote to a lot of the misinformation that we are um, awash in. So I, I hope that you will have a look at that as well. Yeah, especially in light of the new variant, which we just found out yeah. is here. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG with the beans. Did you know that women are at higher risk of poor sleep and sleep deprivation because of hormonal changes that can disrupt circadian rhythms and that can negatively impact your health? Uh, This can later lead to hot flashes and night sweats in up to 85% of women, making sleep impossible. And even if you put the cell phone down, turn the lights off, turn the TV off, your body still needs one final trigger to let it know it's time to sleep. And that trigger is a decrease in body temperature, which hacks your primal response and convinces your body it's time to sleep. That's where Chili Sleep comes to the rescue. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems, which are customizable, hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers. They fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. As part of the overall scientific study conducted by Wake Forest researchers, Chili Sleep's cooling bed products were shown to significantly reduce the frequency of night sweats by 86% and the frequency of hot flashes by 64%. You know, I've had trouble falling and staying asleep for a very long time, but I've already been sleeping so much better since I started using Chili Sleep. So head over to chilisleep.com slash beans to learn more and check out a special offer available only for you, Daily Beans listeners, and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash beans to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. And finally, today's show is brought to you by Scribd. The struggle to find the right new book and podcast or something to watch is real. With endless amounts of content, it's almost infinite. I usually spend as much time looking for my next book as I do actually reading it, but not anymore, thanks to Scribd. With Scribd, you get instant access to millions of ebooks, court documents, audiobooks, dissertations, magazines, and more along with thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what you've already read, which makes choosing your next book so much simpler. And it's all for one low monthly subscription. The Ultimate Reading Subscription Service letting you explore all of your interests in any format you choose is only $9.99 a month. That's less than the cost of a single book. I love using this service. I get to discover must-read new work from celebrated authors that premiere exclusively on Scribd, including Roxanne Gay. And when I want to change things up, I'm free to switch between titles, genres, and formats on any, any time uh, on my phone, tablet, or computer. And right now, we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash AG for your free trial. That's try.scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash AG to get 60 days of Scribd for free. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well- 
That was a great discussion with Nina. She's just Absolutely. so awesome. Absolutely. This case is, I mean, I just, you know, I'm not listening to all of it, but man, it just, all eyes are on it because we want justice in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And today I think Jane, quote unquote, Jane had testified that um, she was driven to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, mm. but apparently uh, she didn't testify that anything had happened between her and, and the Donald. Yeah. If you have good news, we definitely need it this week. We're going to need it for the next however many months until the Supreme Court decision comes out. So send it in. Anything. Holiday recipes, Halloween photos, Thanksgiving photos, whatever you want to send to us. Even if you just have photos of adoptable pets in your area, we would love to see them. You can do that by going to Daily Beans Pod and clicking on contact. First up, from Joan, pronoun she and her. Is this the correct place for my vote on the plugged up cat? From today's beans. <laughs> how about Corky? <laughs> yes, Joan. How about Corky? <laughs> oh, that was a brilliant uh, start. You should take the next one too, but my God, that was funny. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. And did you get that? Corky. I think that's a good one for the for the butt cat. All right. From Sherry, pronoun she and her. And by the way, again, kudos for adopting a cat, a special needs kitty like that. That's so awesome. I love people who do that and and spend their time like that. That's just amazing. From Sherry, pronoun she and her. Dear Allison, Dana and the rest. Actually, she says all the other glorious people at Muller. She wrote Daily Beans, whom I do not know how to spell. I get a little thrill each time I have written in and you've read my message. I also cheer up every time Dana stumbles and recovers when trying to pronounce something. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for a puppy yeah. pile picture this is from 11 years ago when i first met zeus my standard poodle great name for a poodle i think you yeah i think we've seen photos of zeus before he was one of a double litter of 15 what? and this is a golden memory for me he's now an elderly dog but still the rose in my soul what a beautiful way to put that and you see him with his younger siblings apollo who's <gasps> three and a cuddly licky goofball I remain grateful for you, your shows, your stories, your intelligence, and your fucking fantastic humor. Oh, and I hope the dog book has helped with Guess the Mutt conundrums. That was from you. That's right, Sherry. I do. I have it right back on my shelf. Hey, G. Let's look right there. at all of these puppies. <gasps> I can't. This is what if you... <laughs> everyone should have a... I have a picture like this. And then it's just everyone should at some point be attacked by as many puppies as possible at the exact same time. It's complete joy. Oh, puppy pile. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sending that in. Oh, thank you so much. My Shay. goodness. So AG, we've got one shorter one and then two very long ones. You want me to take the next two and you want to end this today? Yeah, let's do you that. You got it. Oh, right. Sweetheart. Here we go. This is from Jen, pronoun she and her. My brother-in-law in Oklahoma sent us photos of the pie he made from Thanksgiving leftovers. He's an incredible baker. And I'm both ecstatic and devastated that he doesn't live closer to us. <laughs> I'm attaching the photo to share with you the reason why, although he's our most distant in law, he is hands down my 12 year old's favorite uncle. Oh my God, it's a penis pie. <laughs> it's a penis pie. And there may or may not be. Is it an apple pie? This is basically an American pie pie. Why are there dicks on it? <laughs> uh, this one time at band camp is what this. Oh, if you look at the next of- picture, it seems to be some sort of a like what are those like British pies? The meat pies. Of course, oh, it's a yeah, meat pie. Gonna I'm going to throw up in my mouth. Of course, it's a meat pie. There's dicks on it. No, it's it's a, 
Gato for Spit. This reminds me of our, you know, our person who does our uh, web design, logo design, my best friend forever. Uh, when she was running early on, when she was running her uh, web design company and if a client was being especially assholey that week, her and her partner would be like, let's just put a dick on it. Oh, my <laughs> just, God. Like, I just draw I must a giant be dick on their website. They never did. But that's hilarious. I must be super gay because even the, it's a baked penis and it still makes me gag a little. <laughs> I mean, OK, we're moving on. I have to scroll up. This next one's from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Greetings, AG, DG, and all. In the beginning of the pandemic, I was let go from my job of nearly five years via email. Yes, you read that right. Ugh. I've worked elbow to elbow with a guy, helped him to grow his business for nearly five years, and he canned me by email in the beginning of the freaking global pandemic. He didn't even have the courage to pick up the phone. Spineless, right? Yes. So I was pissed and decided, fuck it. I'm sick of spending the days working for the sole purpose of building wealth for some bullshit, know-nothing, entitled invertebrate who doesn't appreciate me and can't even muster up enough courage to fire me properly. So then hmm. I started my own business. It's been a brutal you uphill... You worked for Trump, too? <laughs> right. <laughs> then it said I started my own business. It's been a brutal uphill battle, but things are going well, and I'm finally feeling secure enough in my finances to begin paying it forward again. Yesterday, my little company donated $450 to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. That's awesome, Anonymous. Now, whoop, whoop, having the freedom to help other people through my small business that I built from literally nothing is bringing me so much joy and pride that I had to share. Now, AG, in the early days when I was just getting started and experiencing a lot of doubt, I remember you quoting Ray Bradbury. Something about jumping off the cliff and learning how to build wings on the way down. It's an idea that I've thought about a lot since that episode and watching you start two podcasts and later expand to an entire podcast network has been a huge inspiration and motivator for me. So thank you for being a complete and total badass and living proof that betting on yourself is always a solid bet. And DG, I'm so excited that you've become an everyday contributor to the pod. I always perk up a little when I hear your voice. You never fail to make me smile. Making people smile is a special kind of superpower. Thank you for sharing it with us. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for that. I know. Please find my pet tax attached. I found Tom under a dumpster 14 years ago when he was only six-ish weeks old. He's been my bestie ever since. When he was a kitten, he used to play fetch. These days, he enjoys white cheddar popcorn, laying in the sun, <laughs> chirping at birds, and belly rubs. We think he's part Russian blue, but that doesn't keep him from loving democracy and the daily beans. He's a very good boy, obviously. Anyway, thanks for sharing my good news. Sending lots of love to all of the Leguminati. Look at this honey kitty. Oh, 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 oh. That, those are some very kind words, Anonymous. Absolutely. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited about your business. It's a, there's just something so special, you know, about about doing it yourself. And so, you know, I appreciate that. And that, that's, that you donated to charity. That's amazing. High fives all around. And finally, from she, her, puppy mama. Hi, lady beans. I discovered the daily beans a month or so ago, and now I look forward to starting my mornings with the latest and greatest. You are all amazing. Thank you. I was in absolute tears this morning right along with you, hearing the story of your listener who had recently lost his dog. Such a moving story. Your comments, wondering about what it might be like to be piled on by puppies, inspired me to share my story of being a foster puppy mom Yay! for the last 20 months, along with photos. Thank you. Thank you. I had been volunteering with Local Rescue for about five years, working on training dogs and helping with adoptions. When COVID first hit in 2020 and we all went into lockdown, 
The director called me to ask if I could foster a litter of puppies as the current foster now had to work from home and couldn't manage the puppies. I was a little, how's that work? Working from home, can't manage the puppies. Yeah. But we were gone all day before. Who was managing? Anyway, whatevs. I was a little nervous about taking on that huge task. So I discussed it with my son who had just come home from college and my husband. They both poo-pooed the idea saying it sounded like too much work. So I ignored them. (laughs) Said, yes, of course. (laughs) Needless to say, (laughs) by day two of puppy fostering, both my son and husband were begging to be allowed to take them out to play. Of course they were. Always bet on yourself, as Anonymous said in the previous post. That started us on our now 20-month journey of fostering litter after litter of pups. <gasps> 14 litters. 14 litters and 84 pups. Oh, my God. So far. We've had litters of small terriers, medium-sized border collies, huge Anatolian shepherds, ranging in numbers from two puppies to 13 puppies. The litters have a theme name to help keep track of them. So we've had Ninja Turtles, Pop Stars, Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavors, and so on. The craziest litter was 11 border collies who were quite feisty and liked to grab onto your pants on moss with their little teeth. Try walking with 11 puppies attached to your legs. That sounds like fun to me. Actually, okay. yeah. One of our most challenging litters was one of nine Anatolian shepherds who were surrendered by a local goat farmer. Wow. He brought them to our shelter in crates in the back of a pickup truck and proceeded to try to haul them out by their back legs like they were goats. Oh, my God. We were horrified and shoot them off as we proceeded to gently untangle pups to transport them to the house. The poor pups were filthy, Aww. flea and tick ridden skinny and anemic with the help of our two high school volunteers we gave them a a deep flea bath um, outside in a kiddie pool combed the fleas and ticks off as best we could we weren't sure they were going to make it but with just a few days of good food including specially cooked chicken and pork they all bounced back and were on their way to becoming normal happy puppies the puppy playtime photo attaches a group of pups i recently attended a puppy reunion of that litter they're huge stunningly beautiful dogs now People ask how it's possible to give up these puppies once you've gotten to know and love them. But we get to meet and screen all the adopters and seeing the smiles in the eyes. Can't see the smiles because of the masks as they hold their new family member for their go home photo. It makes it all worthwhile. We've met some wonderful people through the adoption process and many will still send us periodic updates and photos so we can see how the pups grow up. When we started with the first litter, it seemed like just something to do while in lockdown. But now it's become a passion and just one small way to do some good in this bonkers world right now. I, my God. Oh my God, look at these puppies. Where does this person live? Did it, was that said anywhere in the... Uh-uh, no. Puppy mama, if for some reason you're in California, Southern California, yeah. I know it's it's far-fetched. Ha, no pun intended, but if, <laughs> if you are, please tell me so I can come visit the puppies. Yeah, we need to do puppy pile beans photos. Oh my God, I'm in, I'm in. Thank you for these. This made my, these made my week. These made my day. Yeah. Same, same Z's. Thank you for that. Everyone send in whatever you can to the good news. Thanks for everybody who contributed today. You can send your stuff in by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana. Yes, dear. Do you have any final thoughts? Not for today. Uh, Although it is my Friday and I probably should, mm -hmm. even though it's not technically Friday. I'm going to screw everyone up, but it's my Friday. Mm -hmm. Does Amy always have final thoughts? I, you know what? Maybe I'll start. You never asked her, do you? No, you put the pressure on me. (laughs) No, I do. (laughs) I don't have any today. I I had a really good, um, had a good meeting about my pilot and um, I feel invigorated. So if any of you are working on a creative uh, process and you're feeling stuck, just find, find a muse, find something that is going to motivate you to keep on going because it's worth it. So if you are believing in something and creating something and you're feeling like you want to give up, don't 
Don't give up. Just keep moving forward. That's my final thoughts for this Thursday. You had one. That was an excellent one. Thank you, my friend. And we will see you on Monday and we'll see everybody else tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I have been Dana Goldberg. And them are The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.